Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Give them a call. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events, including what's happening with COVID uh, in the Ukraine, Chile, airstrikes in Syria, and so many other things. We'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader and its sequel, uh, Shake the Money Tree, Two Great uh, Murder Mysteries. It is December the 20th, and on this day in 1957, while spending the Christmas holidays at Graceland, his newly purchased Tennessee mansion, rock and roll star Elvis Presley received his draft notice for the United States Army. By the end of 1956, with his own style, a hit movie, Love Me Tender, a string of gold records including Heartbreak Hotel, Blue Suede Shoes, and Hound Dog, and Don't Be Cruel, Presley became a national icon and the world's first bona fide rock and roll star. As the Beatles' John Lennon once famously remarked before Elvis, there was nothing. (laughs) The following year, at the peak of his career, Presley received his draft notice for a two-year stint in the Army. Fans sent tens of thousands of letters to the Army asking for him to be spared, but Elvis would have none of it. He received one deferment, during which he finished working on his new movie, King Creole, before being sworn in as an Army private in Memphis on March 24, 1958. After basic training, which included an emergency leave to see his beloved mother, Gladys, before she died in August 1958, he sailed to Europe on the USS General Grandel. For the next 18 months, he served as Company D, 32nd Tank Battalion, 3rd Army to Armor Division in Friedberg, Germany, where he attained the rank of Sergeant. For the rest of his service, he shared an off-base residence with his father, grandmother, and some Memphis friends. After working during the day, Presley returned home at night to host frequent parties and impromptu jam sessions. At one of these, an Army buddy of Presley's introduced him to 14-year-old Priscilla Bulio, whom Press Elvis uh, would marry some years later. Meanwhile, Presley's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, continued to release singles recorded before his departure, keeping the money rolling in and most of his famous client fresh in the public's mind. Elvis Presley. I think it's uh, pretty cool that he actually decided to go ahead and uh, serve as opposed to resist uh, the uh, going in the Army. Well, Florida's job growth rate was six times faster than the rest of the country as a whole in November, that according to the governor. Our job growth rate is six times faster than the rest of the nation because we've worked hard to keep Florida open and protect the jobs of individual Floridians, he said, attributing the success to pro-freedom policies which have allowed Florida to continue to work uh, while blue states, many of which existed in extended uh, lockdowns, continue to implement coercive policies, forcing people to choose between their jobs and a shot. He went on to say, because we have protected their livelihoods, Floridians are confident in finding work and operating their own businesses. We will work, continue to focus on the state's foundation of freedom to ensure that Florida remains a leader in economic growth and Floridians are able to succeed. Such basic and simple concepts that apparently 
most don't understand. The Sunshine State gained 51,000 jobs this month compared to the nation, which gained 210,000. That's almost 25%. Also supporting Florida's job growth is a business climate that supports the economy. For the fifth year in a row, Florida is ranked number four in the nation in the 2022 business State Business Tax Climate Index, published by the Tax Foundation, is the only large state in the top five. Florida's standing contrasts with other large states that consistently remain at the bottom of the tier. States like California, which is number 48, and New York, which is 49, are consistently at the bottom of the State Business Tax Climate Index in the nation. Florida maintains a competitively low uh, top corporate tax rate and has no personal income tax. The news comes as DeSantis continues to promote pro-freedom policies in the state of Florida, recently signing legislation in Brandon, Florida, a nod to Let's Go Brandon movement, to protect individuals from losing their jobs over vaccine mandates. So grateful uh, for the governor's position on freedom and also on keeping things in perspective with regard to our health. Uh, we see letters to the editor in the Naples Daily News and other publications that really rant against the governor. And those people are so wrong. It's just unbelievable. I saw one letter that suggested that uh, he's not going to go back to Fifth Avenue South because people aren't wearing masks. Well, that's okay. There's, <laughs> the rest of us will enjoy it. U.S. Senator Joe Manchin, a moderate Democrat, is key to President Joe Biden's hopes of passing a $2 trillion domestic investment bill, said on Sunday he would not support the package. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation, he said during an interview. Uh, I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible, he said. You can tell he's really under duress from pressure, pressure from the Democrats. A White House spokesperson did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Manchin has been a key holdout on the White House's Build Back Better plan, which aims to bolster the social safety net and fight climate change and is the cornerstone of Biden's legislative agenda. In a statement released uh, after Sunday's interview with Fox News, Manchin said that increasing the U.S. debt load would drastically hinder the country's ability to respond to the coronavirus pandemic and geopolitical threats. My Democrat colleagues in Washington are determined to dramatically reshape our society in a way that leaves our country even more vulnerable to the threats we face, he said in a statement. I cannot take the risk with a staggering debt of more than $29 trillion and inflation uh, taxes that are real and harmful to every working American at the gas pumps, grocery stores, and utility bills with no end in sight, said Manchin. His support is crucial in a chamber where the Democrats have the slimmest margin of control and the Republicans are united in their opposition to the bill. Uh, Biden said last week that after talking with Manchin in the West Virginia Senate, had reiterated his support for Build Back Better funding at a level of the framework plan I announced in September. He said, well, I'm sure he's disappointed now because apparently Manchin has become even more committed to not supporting the deal. Many Democrats feel passage of the bill is essential to the party's chances of maintaining control of Congress in the next year's elections. The package would raise taxes on the wealthy and corporations to pay for a host of programs to thwart climate change, boost health care subsidies, and provide free child care. Biden has argued that lowering such costs is critical at a time of raising inflation, rising inflation at the economy recovers from the fallout of the coronavirus pandemic. 
Republicans say the proposed legislation would fuel inflation and hurt the economy. The U.S. annual inflation is running at more than double the Federal Reserve's 2% target. The Senate adjourned uh, its session for the rest of the year, putting on hold President Biden's domestic agenda, hopefully for good. Well, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration intends to give companies additional time to get employees vaccinated or regularly tested. The Labor Department announced on Saturday that it would be pushing back the date for businesses to comply with its vaccine or test mandate. OSHA is, quote-unquote, gratified that the U.S. Court of Appeals and the Sixth Circuit dissolved the Fifth Circuit's stay of the vaccination and testing emergency temporary standard, the regulatory agency said. OSHA issued the temporary standard on November the 4th, which would require businesses with 100 or more employees to mandate either vaccines or frequent testing. OSHA stated that it provides employers with sufficient time to comply with, uh, with coming to compliance. It would provide businesses not complying with the November 4th standard until January the 10th to get things in order or face citations. Well, I think all this is a moot point because this is all going to move on to the Supreme Court. Uh, Three companies in Missouri have already applied to the Supreme Court for an appeal. And uh, the way the decisions were written, the uh, circuit court had a three-day two-to-one decision, and the dissenting decision was so strong that I'm sure that it'll get attention of the Supreme Court justices. A bad decision by a left-leaning panel, Bush and Obama judges the Sixth Circuit, it's un-American to force unconstitutional vax mandate on private businesses, forcing people to choose between unemployment and an irreversible medical procedure. That, according to Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson, he tweeted on Friday, I will immediately take this to the Supreme Court to seek a reversal. Let's hope they uh, prevail. Uh, the Supreme Court, of course, the justices will have the final say on all this, but uh, it is totally un-American to uh, have these mandates. Unconstitutional. South Africa ministers announced the country is moving to stop contract tracing, contact tracing and quantitating, quarantining of uh, microcon contacts. My healthcare experts discovered that Omicron is so weak that they do not to tra- need to trace the Omicron variant among the people. This is good news for those who believe that the Omicron will help herd immunity. It's bad news for Fauci and his political operatives pushing vaccinations. This can't, if you read uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, you'll discover how really uh, draconian these measures are and how out of touch with real health care they are. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care if they have a need? We are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit CallYourSeniorResources.org. That's CallYourSeniorResources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, right now, let's start off with a discussion of what's happening around the globe. Of course, uh, right now, COVID is taking with the new Omicron variant is taking a lot of taking center stage. What are your thoughts? Well, a couple of things. First of all, in parts of Europe, it was bad enough with Delta and things were pretty bad in, in various parts of Europe, especially those places that hadn't uh, gotten booster shots or had a lower percentage of people who had gotten vaccinated. And then Omicron showed up and Omicron has rung all sorts of alarm bells on one hand, and yet may not be so bad on the other, and we don't really know yet. So Omicron clearly is much more transmittable than anything before. People are saying between as high as four times is transmittable, meaning it's easier to catch. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, it seems to evade certainly people with only one or two vaccinations, less so with people who have been boosted. But whatever it is, it does it. There are many more cases of people who've been vaccinated who are getting Omicron. That's the bad news, and the rapidity that it's spreading is what's scaring everybody. The big question is, 
how um, deadly or not deadly it is. Mm-hmm. And right now, the the jury is totally out. There some reports from South Africa that show that hospitalizations really have not gone up, and so therefore it's not as bad. Although suddenly in the last 24 hours, there's suddenly been a, a big jump in people with respiratory issues. Uh, so the question is, maybe it just takes longer for someone to get particularly sick with Omicron. Now, now is that is that in South Africa you're speaking of? Yes. Hmm. Yes, the last 24 hours. So that's like a big question. In in the UK, hospitalizations are way up and don't seem to to mirror the pattern that there's been in in South Africa, although deaths are not up particularly. Um, but again, the question always becomes what's happening here. That's why it's so hard to understand, to, to fully understand the statistics. Since it, it is breaking through to a lot of people who've been immunized, the question always becomes, well, if you're immunized, it seems people do not get as sick. Without, in other words, generally speaking, someone who's immunized, even with, even with a breakthrough infection, does not get as sick as those people who are not. So is the fact that so many people are getting sick, but there is not as many people being hospitalized, just a factor of the fact that so many people have been immunized in some of these places, and therefore you know, it could be just as deadly um, as Delta or anything before it. Uh-huh. The other set of circumstances that isn't clear that, of course, let's just say that it's 20% less deadly, you know, just to throw that number out, right? Yeah. Or 20% less people get hospitalized. But if four times as many people get it, you end up in a worse place. Hmm. Um, and so we just don't know. There's so many different o- open questions um, that it's, it's one of these big unknowns. A, a lot of concern may be overbrought, may not be, and we'll no, the British say they'll have good information um, by the first week in January. So, uh, Mark, I, I read a story, and I wish I had it here in front of me. I don't find it, but it was that about 40% of the population has had or are asymptomatic. In other words, they've had it or have had it, have it now, but they are uh, demonstrating no symptoms whatsoever. So makes, I just wonder, just to take the other point of view, if uh, maybe this is the time where everybody hopes they get it so they can develop herd immunity and they have... Uh, uh, right, but uh, well, that's one of the big questions. So one thing is very clear, by the way. So, so we don't have any of those answers. We do know for sure is people who have had COVID before will get Omicron. Mm-hmm. It does not provide any or any significant um, immunity to, the, to this virus. No, the only thing it seems to provide is three is th- three shots. And if you had three shots and had COVID, those those are the people who seem to be in the best position. Uh, so people who have had it doesn't provide co- doesn't provide immunity. Now, it could be very good. In other words, the the, the potential good here is if it turns out to be very, very less virulent and basically a really bad cold, and it takes over the whole world because it's so transmittable, then the story is over. But again, we don't know. That's that's the question. The the big question is we do not know, and it could go either way, and anyone who claims to know, throw it out, because they don't know. Well, and yet, uh, we're seeing a lot of elected officials make decisions, uh, having a knee-jerk well, reaction. Well, here's the, here's the question, though, and this is always the problem with, in a situation like this. You, ha- you, have to dis- you, you have to figure out that you have to take, let's put it this way, not the worst, worst scenario, but you have to take a bad scenario as your starting point. If you take too much action, uh, then you can always, you know, rewind it. If the action you've taken isn't so, you know, something that will totally destroy the economy, totally destroy people, etc. If you put, you know, if if you put things, if you don't take those actions, later it's too late. Yeah, that's the one thing we've learned throughout this pandemic that speed is more important than exactly what you do. 
because you have to do things quickly. If you wait too long, it's too late. So, so uh, we're seeing we're seeing uh, protests in Europe again, the, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people who are, who are just saying no mas. We just don't want this anymore. We want to live our lives. We we think we can make our own decisions. Uh, I think the the uh, this is wearing pretty thin on the populace. Of course, it's wearing very thin on everybody. Listen, everyone is very wearing thin. On a personal level, last week I I limited my activity, but last last week I went to the Israeli parliament, the Knesset in Jerusalem, to do a TV show there. And then the next day they said that um, someone, a few, a few days later, someone in the, in the parliament had come down with the Omicron variant. I said, okay, wonderful. This is really, you know, I didn't see that person, etc. Yesterday, late in the afternoon, I get a phone call from the Israeli parliament saying, um, you were here last week. Uh, you were in the same studio with somebody who was come down with with the variant. Um, you need to be tested and quarantined until you're tested. Well, luckily, I happened to be about a block and a half from a, a free test facility. I took a test last night at six, um, and by midnight, I had gotten results. Uh, I got a text result that I was negative. So yes, we're all tired of it. No one wants this. But the fact that we're tired of it doesn't mean that the disease is tired of us. That's part of the problem here. So, so Mark- we all are tired. We want to go back to our lives. On the other hand, we, you know, unfortunately, when one lives in a community, one has a joint responsibility, and what one does affects others. That's really the problem. In other words, we all can make our own decisions, but what we do affects other people just as well. And that's where it gets very complicated. The whole issue of liberty versus communal responsibilities is a really difficult line that we've always had a hard time trying to balance the two. Yeah. Well, this I think this is probably the first time in history we've ever quarantined people that are healthy. It <laughs> seems to me it could operate like free markets. In other words, if you if you have a, a problem with your immune system, if you have an illness, you know you should probably. No, but, just... but anyone but anyone can, can can get it, and some people can die and not know that they 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 have compromised systems or they don't have any kind. Of, they have good immune systems. It won't help them. You know, the good immune. If, I mean, again, I don't know about Omicron, but if the good immune system in Delta doesn't mean anything very much. Yeah. You know, if you get it in the wrong circumstances, you can get sick and die. And the problem is not you getting sick and die. It's you getting it and going someplace and giving it to somebody else. You don't even know it. In some ways, the asymptomatic people are the worst in the sense that they're the most dangerous because <laughs> yes. they don't even know they have it yeah. and they can spread it. So this is terrible. It's all terrible. You know, it's been two years of of terrible situations and you can take whatever you know views you want um but at some levels we're not the ones making the decisions the, the virus seems to be deciding for us and let's hope let's hope it decided to become non-lethal and then we can really go about our lives right again. right well i'm just very grateful that uh, our governor here in florida is making the decisions that he's making and uh, therefore uh, we're operating uh, we're cautious we're obviously taking into account our neighbors and we're making sure that we're not putting ourselves or others in jeopardy. Uh, but on, at the same time, we're not closing down the economy. We're not asking people to stay home. We're not asking people to mask up, which, of course, the mask. Well, that part is really stupid, but OK. The, the masks we'll do absolutely nothing, Mark. Absolutely nothing that to prevent the spread true. of the it's disease. That's not true based on non science. Masks don't protect you. They protect the other person from exactly what I just said. Asymptomatic. Yeah. If you're asymptomatic. You have it. If you're wearing a mask, you can't give it to somebody else. Uh, that's that's just... the reality, a scientific reality. It doesn't protect you from somebody. You know that, that that's the that's been the mis 
guided view about this whole issue of masks that I can decide for myself, but you're not deciding for yourself. You're deciding for the other person because masks are not for you. They're for the people around you. Well, there are different people scientific opinions decide. on that one, Mark. I, I will say this, that, that there are dissenting opinions scientifically about uh, the effectiveness and efficacy of masks for sure. Uh, have you read, by the way, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert Kennedy Jr.? No, I wouldn't read Robert Kennedy Jr. for the if you if you give me anything to live on. The man is in that case, as far as I'm concerned. His anti-vax crusade for the last 20 he's years. He's not anti-vax. He is not anti-vax at all. He certainly has been. What are you kidding? Now forget forget COVID. He's been a, the leader anti-vaxer in the United States for the last 20 years. Uh, I just uh, I think it's worth the read. He's against he's... children's vaccinations. He has been. He's been the leader, uh, the spokesman for that for the last 20 years, maybe 15 years. The last lengthy period of time, he's been the leading anti-vaxxer in the United States. Mark, you're one of the smartest guys I know. And he had a party this past week and demanded that everyone show proof of negative COVID or vaccination. So, okay. So I would would just suggest you're one of the smartest guys I know. And I I think just uh, uh, rejecting... Because it's written by Robert F. Ken- Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, is a mistake. I think you could be well informed by taking a look at the book and just reading it over. I think it'd be helpful. Okay, I'll take a look. All right, Please thank go. you. That's all I can ask, Mark. <laughs> all okay. right, so so uh, it's kind of wait and see then, in your opinion, and uh, uh, we just have to find out, in fact, if there we have a delayed reaction with regard to COVID, respiratory problems, and so forth. Uh, we just need more information. How long do you think that'll take? Two weeks, I would say. In, in two weeks, once we have, once we have good information from England, which is a fairly high, you know, and it's highly, fairly highly vaccinated mm-hmm. with really good public health records, that you can cross-reference, you know, who's gotten sick and why and went to what level and everything else like that. I think by then, we will have a, a pretty good idea of how lethal uh, this is. So probably about the 10th of January, I'd say, will be be about when we'll, by then we'll know okay I, I, i'm guessing it's going to be sometime in november after the 2022 midterm elections <laughs> yeah okay stop it's, again that, that, that's a mistake to go political on this it really isn't a, it's a science issue it's not a po- po- political wow. issue and how we how we politicize science is a really an interesting question that as an historian it's too soon to write about but it's going to be a very interesting question of how that happened in the United States that we've politicized science in so many different fields. Absolutely. But that's a different story. Absolutely. And, and uh, it is shocking the impact that it's had, I think, on medicine here in, in the United States, in hospitals, individual doctor practices, you name it. I mean, it's uh, the politics has just seeped in. Unfortunately, we have applied scientists who are getting bad information, I think, from, uh, from important sources like the CDC. Which is really a shame. I don't know I, again, but I think the, the very fact that that we question uh, we've questioned science to such a degree is in itself a, a problem. Because as someone once said to me, when science changes its, changes its mind, not that it changed its mind, it just got new information and updated whatever theory it is, and that's the reality of science. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to see. All right, Mark. Well, we'll we'll leave it at there. Let's let's go to some other some of the other other things that are happening around the world. Let's start off with what's going on in Ukraine. So in Ukraine, we're really at a at a situation where we're um, waiting to see. The Russians are trying to pull something where they claim that if the United States agrees to a whole bunch of crazy demands, which the United States will never agree to. Um, that they won't invade Ukraine. In other words, they're saying if the United States agrees to pull its troops out of parts of what used to be the Soviet bloc, 
nations, the nations bordering it, then it won't invade Ukraine. Um, the United States has responded that the demands were, you know, not 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 believable, etc. But they're happy to have the dialogue with the Russians. Um, you know, those dialogues are always good. But the reality is, those those are demands that the Russians know the United States won't accept under any circumstances. There's no no U.S. president couldn't under the charter of the NATO. There's no way they could make a statement that uh, a they can't pull people out. You know. Poland and um, those countries are part of NATO already. You can't pull out of you can't disassociate yourself, disassociate yourself from countries because the Russians say so. Yeah. So it's a power play by Putin. Um, will he go through with it? Will he Will he actually invade Ukraine? I don't know. So let me give you kind of a, a break shot thought, uh, using pool as an analogy, uh, for just consideration. What about inviting Russia to join NATO? We did that already. We did. That's been that's been done, of course. Yeah, sure. That was done. They were they had observer status uh, back in the pre-Putin days. Uh, that's not the issue. Um, we've invited we invited them way back when to, to join NATO. And, and how? So can you uh, flesh that one out a little bit? What What are the circumstances? What What changed? What uh, Where did Where did it end? Putin came to power. Um, Russia reverted from being a proto-democracy into a proto-dictatorship, basically. Mm -hmm. And Russia became an expansionist country once again. Um, look at what, you know, Putin, by the way, invaded, um, obviously took the Crimea part of Ukraine. Um, he got into a war with Georgia and tried to seize part of Georgia. Uh, so Putin changed the nature of... Uh, he made a decision that he did not want to integrate um, into the West, because once you integrate into the West, you know you might not be able to maintain a dictatorship. Hmm. Well, we have other uh, dictators right now that are operating and that are members of uh, NATO. At least I could think of one, anyhow. Which one? Uh, Do you got Turkey? Yeah. Who, who, well, but he's not really. A, I mean, he he's a a strongman leader. But there are elections, and there are by and large free elections. He's been popular. He's 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 not the same level of, of Putin. Let's put it that way. I mean, he's not a great guy, and there are a lot of things you can say. But Turkey is much more of a democracy than Russia is at the moment. Remember huh. what happened in Russia just now? Basically, anyone who ran against him was arrested and sent to Siberia. Now, I re I remember but, stories of of exactly the same thing happening there, except you know, the, the incarcerating uh, political opponents and so forth. But you're saying it's not yeah, as bad. Yeah, not 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 to the Russian extent, not nearly to the Russian extent. Hmm. And and Putin, excuse me, um, um, in in Turkey, there really Erdogan is concerned that he may lose power at this point because he's become very very unpopular because how bad their economy is doing. Uh huh. Putin is not afraid of that at the moment, but right. Erdogan is, and there still is a parliament, and there's still certain limitations. You know, it's not a great place to be, is you know, but it's not Russia. I gotcha. Um, Interesting. So, and, and I can't think of any other NATO country that's. I can't think of any NATO country that's an absolute dictatorship like Russia is today. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's then uh, move to. Thank you for that, Mark. Uh, just kind of interesting information. Let's move to what's happening in South America, Chile. Is this kind of a, a, a canary in the coal mine? I don't know. I mean, look. This first of all, the two thing, interesting things. He's the second millennial to become the leader. I think Ecuador has one as well. He's a young man, the youngest uh, one in the in Chilean history. Um, 
He's By the way, this is this is about the election. So that uh, a young right. young guy was elected who was, uh, I think, pr- probably moving away from the right and more towards the left. Correct. He's coming. He's you know, Chile has this. Chile's had this. Um, how should we call it? The ping pong over the years, from having uh, Allende, who was a communist basically, mm-hmm. to Pinochet, who, came, who threw him out of power and was a, dic- a right wing dictator, um, and the current leadership have been. Um, clearly to the right, a neoliberal and uh, limited social net and everything else in that nature. The new person who was elected talks more about freedom and talks about creating a better social net um, in Chile. Chile, by and large, is the, uh, basically is a fairly wealthy country. It has a great deal of minerals. It has um, arable land. It has sea. Um, it has all sorts of prospects. Um, and he's talking about a new form of leadership and bringing young people to the forefront in Chile. Is it? Is it? Uh, what's going to happen in other South American countries? Look, the most important thing we can hope for in South American countries is more elections. Yeah. Right. In other words, the current president of Chile immediately at the end of the election said that he's going to be he's fully on board, and he he was also from the right. He was fully on board in um, supporting the new government in a peaceful transition. His, uh, the opponent, by the way, was someone who, um, at least there were allegations, that his father was a Nazi who fled to, to Chile after World War II. Hmm. Um, and he was a right-wing leader. He also pledged the fact that he came out and said, I lost the election, and I pledge my support to, well, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name offhand. The new, the new president of Chile. So let's just hope for that. Let's hope that we have peaceful elections in South America, whatever the outcomes, that there are peaceful transitions, that the, whoever loses peacefully turns, agrees to turn over the reign of power. Um, South America was one of those bright spots that in the last few years has had more, or should I say less democracy. Yeah. So let's celebrate more democracy for a while. Let's hope more of it continues. And let's worry less about right, left, because... Listen, we're not in the we're not in the age of communism. We're worried about communist influence and all those things that determined U.S. policy. The difference between basically leaving aside right-wing people who want to who want to become dictators. So if we, let's put them those aside. And I don't know what this guy would have become if he had won, but let's assume they're not. So the difference between a Democrats or Republicans ruling a country, if one must leave aside our own partisan politics for the moment. If you look at America, you know, Democratic, Republicans from 25,000 feet, you know, there are differences, but it wouldn't be day and night. And let's hope for the same thing for South America. Well, let's hope so. I mean, uh, rhetoric is cheap, of course. We've heard a lot of people get up and say that we're going to be president of all people and going to make sure that we rule a democracy or, or run it as a democracy. But, you know, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So uh, we'll see how this all plays out. We hope it doesn't end up like Venezuela for sure. Absolutely not. But he, he doesn't come from those sort of roots. He's not a revolutionary or anything. He, you know, it comes from the roots of of protest and protest against, you know, uh, onerous laws and things of that nature. We'll see. You Absolutely. Know, I guess overall, it's time, for, it's time for a new generation, like in the United States. You know, look, we have leaders in their upper 70s. Uh, both, both sides, both Republicans and Democrats have leaders that are too old. It's time for, you know, it's time for the generation after us, not even our generation. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Before I let you go, uh, I was hoping you could comment. Apparently, there have been recent airstrikes in Syria and so forth. 
Yeah, so there's been a lot of information that's come out over the, that the number of civilians that the United States has killed has been very high from the airstrikes. I think what this is a reminder of, and it happens all the time, there is no such thing as a clean airstrike. There's no such thing as a war in which civilians don't get killed in this day and age. And we need to understand that. And then, without putting the judgment of what should or should not be done, we need to understand there is no such thing as a war without civilian casualties in this day and age, uh, both because uh, combatants all too often hide amongst civilians, and second of all, our weapons are so lethal that the ability to be such so pinpoint that we only kill the the bad guys and not the wives, children, etc., just doesn't exist. Yeah. So we need to understand that it's the cost of the cost of some of these wars. Uh, again, I'm not even arguing whether we should, you know, whether morally it's correct or incorrect, but we need to at least understand that that, that is the moral cost of any of these wars. There's just just to back up though, to, for clarification, Mark, did you say that we, in other words, the United States is our United States, the United States, and the various raids that we've had, air raids, both with drones and planes, both in Iraq and Syria, also in Afghanistan too, over the last two years, have killed probably hundreds of civilians have been uh, casualties of those attacks. Interesting. Um, so, again, I, it may, they all may be necessary, right? And, yeah. uh, but leave that part aside. We just have to understand that's the cost of war. Okay. For better or for worse, and when we make decisions, we need to understand that there's no such thing as a clean war. Mark Schulman, again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. It's good for uh, history, for a uh, multimedia website for kids from all ages, including you and I. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Have a great week, everybody. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau chief. He's retired and now is writing novels. His latest is uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence 
serving kindergartens through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education and the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, as I mentioned before the break. He's a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's now moved up to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, away from the Beltway, and he's writing great novels. His two latest, uh, "Shake the uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure, Bob. It's funny uh, living outside the Beltway because people up here aren't obsessed uh, with politics uh, the way we were when we were living inside the Beltway. And part of the obsession is because all my neighbors were either connected to the uh, the federal government in some way, either through the military or, or you know, um, or in the bureaucracy. You know, I had neighbors from the State Department, from the CIA, uh, the the Washington Post uh, uh, international editor uh, lived down the corner. Hmm. Uh, so, so you come up to uh, Lancaster County, and uh, uh, people people look at the Washington as the circus it really is. You know, so uh, and and we. Uh, we were rescued uh, a little bit from that three-ring circle by uh, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin this weekend when he essentially killed uh, what I call the Build Back a Better Biden bill, you know, that uh, uh, the $1.75 billion social welfare bill that really uh, the price tag was really closer to uh, $3.5 trillion. Yeah. You know, you could tell the way he, I listened to the interview where he announced that, and uh, he was struggling. I mean, you could tell he had trouble getting the words out. I think he's still vulnerable, quite frankly. I think uh, he must be under tremendous pressure. And you've heard the the backlash. I mean, the uh, from uh, some of the uh, you know the squad and the comments that they're making about Mansion is just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're trashing him. Uh, they're you know he's a liar. He. Uh, you know, they sound a little bit uh, like uh, your friend Trump, and that you know when he's angry, uh, he just bulldozes people verbally. Um, you know, he he throws uh, every malign comment of the, at them under the sun. Uh, the Democrats are mimicking the Trump and attacking Manchin in this way, so I think that's very interesting because uh, they appreciate how effective Trump is. Number one. Uh, number two, uh, Manchin really helped uh, Biden because Biden won election by running down the middle. And as soon as he got into office, he he swerved to the deep left. He, yeah. he, he swerved to the uh, the Bernie Sanders, uh, Liz Warren side of the field. And so Manchin essentially is pulling him uh, back to the middle, which should help them in the midterms. Uh, I still think that Republicans uh, will, will have a wave election, 
and take control of the House and the Senate. Uh, but I think um, Manchin makes the party more palatable now to other people. Uh, but this uh, Build Back a, a Better plan was really it's – it's always been about the midterm elections. It's, not, it's, it's a harmful bill. It's not properly debated. It's not, you know, uh, uh, not properly vetted. Uh, it was all about the Democrats having a uh, a big fat giveaway prior to the midterm election. All right. I always I always thought that they would never pass it until next summer. You know, as we as we move into that election season. So you know, there is a chance that another version uh, will come back, but it's hard to see what the version will be because. Uh, you know, as, as Politico points out today, uh, there was one provision uh, the Democrats wanted an enhanced child tax credit, and using accounting shenanigans, uh, they said it would cost $185 billion over 10 years. Uh, it actually rings in, according to the, uh, the Congressional Budget Office, at $1.6 trillion yeah. when, you, when you assume it won't. So... You know, it essentially eats up the advertised cost of the whole bill. So, um, uh, you know, I, I just make this comment, Jim. To me, I mean, you'd mentioned it pulls uh, Manchin is pulled back to the center. Uh, to me, it looks like Manchin ha- basically is a man of principle, and he has some principles that he's trying to stand by. I can tell that he's 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 a little shaky, but I hope he stands by these principles. Uh, Biden, on the other hand, stands for nothing. I'm basically, he's a, a puppet of whatever the direction that he's been given. And uh, he's always either he's always been this way and was uh, hiding it before, or he's changed his stripes uh, suddenly and become a, a, a Marxist or a communist. Yeah, I, well, I'm a, a believer in the third uh, theory, and it's a theory because I don't have data that I think he's uh, cognitively challenged. Mm. Uh, you know, you know, early in his life he had a serious aneurysm. Yeah. Um, I think the years uh, the years take a tough toll on everybody, including me. And uh, you know, I just think uh, he's a casualty of age, and, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Uh, He's capable of uh, completing an entire term, let alone uh, running for a second term. Yeah. Uh, well, and for, for whatever reason, they're even bantering that issue around. Apparently, he, he's now come to believe, or his people have come to believe, that it's important that he announced he intends on, on running for another term. Uh, so uh, maybe it's because they don't feel that they have a candidate that's suitable, including uh, Kamala or Kamala or whatever her name is. Yeah, I mean— Excuse me. Uh, Kamala is a gift uh, to the Republican Party. Yeah, she's a, a comic figure. Uh, she she per- persistently embarrasses herself uh, uh, without any encouragement. So as long as she's vice president, she's a powerful uh, uh, weapon for the Republican Party. Uh, so so uh, I don't think she's going to disappear before the midterms. Yeah. And, uh, it'd probably be too late uh, by that point. So the, uh, you know, the other thing is the handling of uh, the pandemic. You know, the Democrats are, are knee-jerk, and already they're talking about the lockdowns in uh, 
blue cities and in blue states. Yeah, Biden says that he's going to be making a big announcement tomorrow on the reaction to the Omicron variant. So it seems to me that can't be like we're going to free everybody up. and <laughs> It's got to be more, more, more lockdowns and more mandates. Yeah, and also the, uh, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis is, uh, is really a sharp guy. He's promoting uh, the, what's it called, the monoclonal uh, infusions. Right, the monoclonal uh, antibodies. Uh, but there are shortages. Like if, if you look at the Detroit the newspapers today, there are severe shortages in uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you wonder, uh, you know, Congress passed what, close to a $2 billion uh COVID bill uh, earlier this year, uh, what did they do with the money? Why, you know, uh, Biden talked about stockpiling monoclonal uh, uh, antibodies. You know, antibodies, and and we have a shortage in, in a blue state, Michigan. I yeah. Mean, uh, so anyway, the, their conduct of COVID is going to be a, a, a really powerful message for the Republicans. Uh, if I were advising the Republican Party, I would have them promise a com- thorough uh, head-to-toe investigation, examination of the CDC, you know, uh, and, and the CDC's messaging and mishandling of our COVID response. Yeah, you know, I, I've read, uh, and I'm reading right now, uh, the the real Anthony Fauci. I don't know if you've seen that book, but I highly recommend it to our listeners and to you, Jim. It's uh, it's just so informative and so interesting. Uh, of course, Robert Kennedy Jr. wrote the book. He's footnoted it, uh, so he's got documented proof for everything that he claims. And uh, there's little doubt in my mind that right now the CDC is operating in conjunction with. Uh, the WHO and uh, other organizations and Dr. Anthony Fauci to uh, promote vaccines at the expense of therapeutics that actually work. And the consequence is that we're seeing uh, unnecessary deaths and illness uh, just in the effort of promoting this agenda. Uh, Well, it's it's typical of uh, the Democratic Party's top-down management style uh, or promotion of... uh, battery electric cars as opposed to other types of uh, green energy solutions. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting the market attack a problem, they prescribe the only solution and claim it's the best solution. Well, it's the same thing, uh, the CDC in this plan. To your point, I mean, I, I have the vaccines. I think they're really great. And, uh, you know, if you, if you get a vaccine, you're not, you're not suddenly going to grow a dorsal fin. Uh, but having said that, uh, there's no reason not to encourage other approaches to fighting this uh, virus, uh, which will be with us for decades. You know, what we want to do is get it as manageable as the rhinovirus, you know, the cause of the common cold. Uh, uh, we can't eliminate it. And, uh, you know, the more variety we have in attacking it, uh, the better. And uh, by the way, I think the canary, I, I think uh, China and its shutdown policy, which we try to copy here, the lefties try to copy that, is a disaster in the making. And the Chinese are going to be so vulnerable to this disease that it will devastate that country in the future. And I hate to see people suffer, but I do remember that where the virus came from originally. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we right now, the uh, South Africa stopped to uh, 
take, tracking the uh, the illness because they say most people are not getting ill at all or getting very uh, mild illnesses. Uh, Fauci now has told Americans on ABC this week not to go to Christmas gatherings where you don't know everyone's vaccinated. <laughs> and test your guests, he said, when you invite them over for Christmas. Make sure they've been tested before they come in the house. I mean, this is just totally absurd. And I think people are fed up with this kind of top-down nonsense and uh, draconian activities on the part of, uh, well, Biden, Fauci, and others. Yeah, and uh, let me mention that uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren tested positive for COVID-19. She says she's asymptomatic. She's had the the vaccines and the booster. Um, uh, The point being that mathematically uh, you can't avoid this thing. And, And so that's another reason that trying to lock people away and uh, make them nuts because they're not able to interact with their families over Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's just cruel and uh, needless uh, restriction. Yeah, well, the uh, uh, Cory Booker joins her as being, uh, uh, he's uh, fully vaccinated as well, and he's now uh, has coronavirus, has the Omicron uh, virus, and a cruise ship, uh, Royal Caribbean, apparently had a cruise ship that had 100% of its pa- uh, passengers, as well as crew, fully vaccinated, and uh, over 70 people ended up getting coronavirus on the cruise, <laughs> so all this nonsense is not making any sense whatsoever. Uh, no, I'm in, in the let it uh, rip camp, Yeah, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, let's get it over with. Uh, I've had a niece in a college, her whole dorm, which was vaccinated, got the COVID a few weeks ago. Uh, It was uh, the worst symptoms were a bad cold. Yep. Uh, And they're all up and running now. Well, for for those, first of all, the information came out that about 40 percent of the public has been asymptomatic and have had cases in the past. But from my standpoint, if you haven't had coronavirus, now is the time to get it because you can develop immunities. Apparently, my last guest said, no, you can't. But uh, I believe that you can. Who knows? But uh, the fact of the matter is we get such clouded and dis- disparate information about the coronavirus. Who do you trust? We just don't know who to trust. We can't trust the CDC or we can't trust Fauci, I believe. Uh, no, no, we, we get, it's just a constant misinformation uh, to the public. And again, I'm not trying to discourage people from getting vaccines. Right. Uh, I, I got the vaccines. I had no reaction to them at all. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll just repeat, uh, there are other approaches to uh, fighting the disease for, for people who, for whatever reason, are, are frightened to death of, of the vaccines. Uh, the monoclonal, it's no picnic, by the way. That's an a intravenous infusion. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a bigger hole than a needle. It's, uh, you know, it takes a more professional person to, uh, to administer it, and it takes longer. Uh, but anyway, but the, the nice, the good news here in Florida is a good, nice opportunity to uh, remind our listeners is that we have sites all over Florida where you can go at no cost and have professionals administer. Uh, you can either, I guess, get a shot or have it. I've forgotten. There's two different ways to have it administered. But the point is, uh, it's uh, it's available seven days a week here in Florida, and you just need to contact. 
uh, you know, you can just Google the information and find out where you can go. I know here in this area, it's right up in Bonita Springs on Pine Street in the old library, wherever that is. I've never been there. Point being, it's available and it works, uh, if especially you have an intrusion early on in the, in the illness. It really works. And, and in Pennsylvania, I don't have a clue where you would get it. I know you can get vaccines at any drugstore, uh, you know, but, but uh, monoclonal antibodies, uh, I have not seen a single story or announcement in any newspaper in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, sadly. run by a Democratic government. Yeah, I mean, right now the hospitals are, the, the approved uh, therapeutic is remdesivir, apparently, which can make you just as sick or more ill than the disease itself, and it has absolutely no, no proof of helping to, in terms of uh, a therapeutic for the disease of coronavirus. So uh, that's the approval, and that, that comes from Dr. Fauci. So I'm not even sure that hospitals are a safe place to go. Unfortunately, if you have coronavirus, you're probably better off uh, dealing with a doctor that allows you to be treated with uh, alternative therapeutics. So, so you know, circling back, this is going to be a huge issue in the midterm election. Yeah, which, which is I think it? the Republicans have it in the bag. Can they blow it? Of course they can. Um, but the uh, you know, if they stay on message and, and uh, you know offer a better way to uh, attack thing like COVID, if they keep their eye on the ball on inflation. Uh, it's a slam dunk for them. Absolutely. Again, uh, Jim McTagg, I'm going to encourage you. Nice Christmas gift. Get both of his novels, give them as a gift, uh, and read them. I've really enjoyed them. Uh, Follow the Leader and the sequel, Shake the Money Tree, by Jim McTagg, M-C, capital T-A-G-U-E. Jim, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Bob. My pleasure indeed, and Merry Christmas to you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I uh, always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen here on the Paradise Coast. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife, Linda, who writes Greetings from Paradise, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.